Um, that's what we're about here. We want people to know who Jesus is and to be able to experience what true life in him looks like. So we are glad that you're here this morning. Um, we know that whenever you show up um, at church, um, that there are all kinds of things that you're working through in your mind. Feelings of, of belief. What do I actually believe in? Um, do I believe in this God that I'm going to go sing about and hear about? Um, do I, uh, 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 is my family going to make it? We're barely hanging on by a string. Um, we know that there are things that are going on in your mind about work. Um, what, what is going to happen? Am I going to get laid off? Am I going to get promoted? Am I going to have enough? And, and this whatever is going on in our culture right now, in our economy, am I going to have enough money to make it through the week so that my kids can eat? Um, there's so much going on as we gather together and we sit together. And, and I want to acknowledge every single bit of that. But I want you to know that when we gather together, um, we're not just gathered here as a bunch of individuals, um, that you are here because God called you to be here. I know you woke up, you got into your car, you turned the ignition, I think you did all the motions to get here. And, and that was something that you thought about. But I want you to know the Holy Spirit of God drew you here. That you're not here by accident, okay? You are here for a reason and for a purpose. And so whatever is going on in your mind, the questions that you have, the doubts that you might be going through, the things that are going on in your family, I want you to, as we're sitting here, to allow the Lord to open up your mind, to open up your ears, to allow His Spirit to move in you, so that you might hear what He has for you as He's drawn you to this location. Can y'all do that this morning? Yeah, okay. So two of you um, are on board with me this morning, and I'm feeling really good about that too. Hopefully by the end, we'll get the other 98% of you, okay? So uh, we're going to uh, dive in here. This week, my family and I, we went to uh, the Chiefs training camp. Y'all ever go to any, any tra NFL training camps uh, before? Anybody out there? Is there anybody out there? It's uh, Okay, a, cu a couple of you. Um, no matter where we have lived over the years, uh, my family has tried, since our kids were little, we try to go to uh, NFL training camps. It's not because we're huge NFL fans, although we do like football. Um, it's just something fun for, for the kids to do, and typically it's free. And so uh, wherever we live, we go. We've been to the Jets training camp. We've been to the Buffalo Bills training camp. We've never been to the Dallas Cowboys training camp, although I would love to do that, because they're always in stinking California. Could somebody write Jerry and say, hey, would you bring that thing closer um, to where you actually play? That'd be fantastic. Um, but we, we go and we enjoy that. But uh, usually they're fairly subdued when you go to a training camp. Um, but they can also get a little bit uh, crazy uh, from, from time to time. Um, when we first moved here, we actually went to the Chiefs training camp uh, and it was awesome. Um, it was like uh, our family and about five other people um, who were there. Uh, because at the time, like, the Chiefs were terrible. Uh, nobody uh, was hanging on to what the Chiefs are going uh, to be doing, and so it was awesome. Uh, we got to, uh, the kids got to go down close and uh, see the players and to talk with them and to get autographs. Uh, and it was just a really fun uh, experience for them. Um, but that was the year that Patrick Mahomes showed up. Y'all heard of him? The time or two? Yeah. So that was his first year with the Chiefs, and y'all know what happened uh, once he showed up. Like, the thing went crazy, he went berserk and just amazing, and the Chiefs went off, and uh, ev now everybody is Chiefs fans again, okay? Everybody's uh, back on, on board. And so we went to the training camp that following year, the next summer, and it was a completely different story than what we had experienced the year before. Um, that instead of us and five other families, um, it was about us and a three-quarters of all the Midwest. Uh, so it was, it was insane how many people were actually there. Uh, it was nuts. And you know, when people go to these camps, 
They're going there because uh, uh, typically uh, you, you get, you're able to get close to the players and you can get those autographs and, and have a real true fan experience. You can't do that uh, during the NFL actual regular season during the games because you're way off away from the field. Nobody's really, unless you're in the tunnel, that's, that's not happening. Um, and so uh, fans show up to these training camps and they line up and after the practice, um, they get these autographs. Here's why I'm telling you the story, if you're wondering. It was the first time in my life that I actually saw adults pushing around kids like they didn't even exist. You ever see that? Like the, there were adults and grown men who were treating kids like they didn't even exist. Um, I wish I had a picture to show you, but we're outside and so we can't throw up a screen here. Um, but the players, they come over after the practice and, and they're trying to uh, sign autographs and kids are trying to get close and, and whatnot. And these grown men are pushing kids out of the way. Now. There are kids who are running around looking for mom and dad because they're no longer where they were supposed to be. They got pushed by an adult and they're running around and they're crying. There are women um, who are getting pushed out of the way by these, uh, these grown men as well who are jockeying to get their position around everybody else to be in front before everybody else. And they're not thinking about anybody else. The only thing that mattered to these guys was them being able to walk away and say, you know what, when I went to that training camp, I got the autograph. I got Patrick's autograph. It didn't matter who, he had, who literally who they had to step on or push out of the way in order to get to the front and to get what they had come for. We're going to look at a passage in Mark this morning, um, and it's really a great reminder uh, to, for us to be a champion for other people. It's really easy for us to be a champion of ourselves and hold up our own banner and hold that thing up tight and to look to be in the front and to look to be greater than everybody else. But how much more difficult is it to be a champion for somebody else? To come along and to, uh, beside them and say, you know what? I want you up there with me. I want you there in the front. It's not as easy. And so we're going to see uh, this passage in Mark. It's going to be a reminder to champion other people and not just champion ourselves. It, it's really easy. And it doesn't matter what field you work in. It doesn't matter where you go to school. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. If you've got a pulse, there is always a temptation to try to jockey for position. There's always, a, there's always a temptation to try to move your way to the front, whether that's in your job, whether that's with school. There's always a temptation. It's how our um, world works to, to be in the front, to be the greatest, to be the first. Um, you got moms, moms like in the drop-off line, in the pickup line, and I got, I got to get there first, right? I, I, I got to get there so, so I don't have to wait on, on anybody else. Dads, we do that too. That, that's me when I'm in the pickup line. I don't want to be 45 minutes deep. I want to be there in the front to pick up the kids. Um, you got dads who are fighting to make sure that their kids have the best equipment so that they can stand out on the field, so they can stand out on the diamond. It happens in the office, it happens at school, it happens when we try to edge out our friends so that somebody, so that we can be the bestie of somebody else. Uh, it really doesn't matter what we're doing. There's always the temptation to try to jockey for the best position. It happens in church too. It happens in our church culture. See, the kingdom of God works so much different than the kingdom of this world. The world is living for the here and the now. What's gonna to happen today? 
not what's going to happen into eternity. They're living for the here and now. And if this is all that there is, if what's going on around us, if what's going on at work, if what's going on in our school, if, if that's all that there is, then it would make sense for us to jockey for position. It makes sense for us to try to go for first, to get everything that we can get. You go get yours, I'll try to get mine, and that would make sense for us if this is all that there is. But the way things work in the kingdom of God, it's not like the way things work in the kingdom of this world. And, and, and honestly, I think for a lot of us who are sitting here, that's actually the kingdom of God can be frustrating for us. Because it doesn't happen in the kingdom of God like things happen down here, right? When we read the scriptures, we hear things like, love your enemies. What are you talking about, love my enemies? You, you hear things like, deny yourself. What do you mean deny yourself? I'm going to give myself. I'm going to treat myself. I'm not going to wait for somebody else. I'm not going to deny myself. Lay up your treasure in heaven where, where thieves can't come in and, uh, and destroy, where moth can't come in and mess it up, where rust can't come in. Put it in heaven. No, no, I'm going to build my kingdom right now around me. The kingdom of God seems to be upside down to, to the cultural precepts of what we have going on around us. It's so countercultural. As believers, um, we know that we're not, just be, we're not just called to be citizens of this world. We're also called to be citizens of heaven. And there is a completely different creed and an ethic that we live by. And one of the primary differences between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world is if you want to be great in the kingdom of this world, if you want to be great in what's going on in the world's economy, just do whatever everybody else is doing. Just do whatever needs to be done. Just work your way to the top. You go out and you get yours. But in the kingdom of God, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, here's what Jesus says. He says, serve somebody else. Serve somebody other than just yourselves. The kingdom of God is wrapped up in, in service. The way to be great is not edging out somebody else to get the position. It's not edging out somebody else to get to the top or to get to the front. It's serving everybody around us. It's being a champion, not of yourself, but being a champion of the people around you. Now that's a little bit different than the culture that we're growing up in, would you say? It, it, it's, it's a little bit different. So before we eat some barbecue here, um, let's jump into Mark chapter 9, and uh, we won't spend a ton of time here, but I think we're going to see God give us a little bit of a challenge. So if you brought your Bible with you, or if you brought a device, and you can see it with the sun, um, go ahead and uh, open it, and, and, and uh, we'll take a little look here. The context, before we get to verse 33, is uh, Jesus has told his disciples for the second time, very clearly, without mincing any words, he says, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to go and I'm going to be killed. And then after that happens, three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And Mark tells us in that little section, he says that the disciples, like they don't even understand. And, and when they don't understand, they don't even stop to ask Jesus about what he's talking about. They just live in this, like, I don't know what you're saying right now, but I'm not going to ask you what you're saying. And so this is the second time that Jesus comes out and he tells them very clearly. Now, I don't know how you would have handled that scenario. I don't know how I would have handled that conversation, but these disciples, they make a U-turn in, in this moment. Look at verse 33. It says, after they arrived at Capernaum and settled into a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out there on the road? But they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must be last, must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. 
Then in verse 36, he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anybody who wants, anybody who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. Okay, so there's been a lot of things that have happened up to this point. Peter, James, and John, they went up to the mountain. Jesus revealed himself to these guys. Full glory displayed. There's been a healing that took place. It just blows everybody's mind. And now they're walking out through Galilee and they're heading to Capernaum and there's a little bit of a walk that they have to go on in order to get there. And apparently while they're walking, there's a discussion. I hope they don't need those sheets back there for the last song. There's a discussion that's happening about what, about who's going to be the greatest. And apparently they're talking about uh, not just now, but also in the kingdom that they don't yet fully understand. So they're arguing about this. Now, before we go judging the disciples, we've got to understand this kind of stuff happens in our world today too. We do the same thing. We don't, we don't uh, it may not be the same words. We may not be like, hey, you're going to be great, but I'm going to be great. It may not sound like what the disciples are doing here. But the, to our credit here, we don't have somebody who wrote down our argument with each other that gets broadcast to the world to millions of people thousands of years later, okay? We have that same argument, but it's not out there for everybody to, to see. We don't know how this conversation started, but I think we can take a few guesses at it, maybe a couple cracks at it. Um, I, in my reading, I, I'm sitting here thinking about what has happened and transpires up to this point that would get these guys arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And I, and I can imagine something like um, uh, these guys having a conversation with Peter, James, and John. Hey, why did you guys get to go up the mountain and we got left behind? Why did you guys get to go see Jesus up on the mountain? What did you guys talk about while you were up there? And while we were just kind of down here... Um, or maybe those nine didn't even have to ask. Maybe because they didn't ask, the other three just thought, well, maybe we need to remind these guys what happened while we were up on the mountain back there. Maybe we need to remind them. Hey, remember when we went up the mountain with Jesus? Yeah, how can we forget? You won't let us forget. You keep telling us over and over and over again. You mentioned it a time or two. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter that you guys went up to the mountain. Uh, it doesn't matter that you went up there. We didn't want to go up there anyway. We were tired. Who wants to go even climb up a mountain anyway? We don't know how the conversation went down. We don't know how it transpired, but we know that they were fighting about who was going to be the greatest because that's what Mark tells us in verse 34. Isn't it amazing how easy it is for us to fall into this trap and this temptation to look for ways to serve ourselves? or to be the greatest, even amongst our peers, even amongst people in our own family, to try to be the greatest and to out somebody in order to get to that place. I wanna be clear as we read this passage. In this passage, Jesus never says, don't work hard. Jesus never says, hey, don't, don't, don't have ambition to do great things. He never says, don't go for the promotions. Nobody um, ever gets slammed for having ambition. Jesus never slams anybody for working hard. The problem isn't that, them, that they want to be great and that they want to work hard. The problem that comes in is when they try to seek their own interests over the interests of somebody else. It's when they try to be great and they forget that they're part of a community of people to help serve people who are, are around them as well. It's not about working hard. It's about not thinking about who else is around them and serving other people. So they're having this conversation about being great 
And when they get to the house that they're going to be staying there in Capernaum, Jesus says, hey, on our way here, I noticed you guys are talking about something back there. What were you talking about? <laughs> These disciples, they don't say a word, do they? Why don't they say anything? Because they're embarrassed. They are absolutely embarrassed because Jesus had just been talking about, I'm getting ready to go die. I'm going to lay down my life. They are going to be, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be um, uh, uh, hammered in front of everybody. And then three days later, I'm going to come back. I'm, I'm going to rise from the dead. He just gave them the play-by-play -play what's getting ready to happen and what's going to happen to him. And while he's talking about this travesty that's going to happen to him, they're talking about who's going to be the greatest. These guys are absolutely and embarrassed because they got busted. You guys ever get busted? Anybody ever call you out on, on something? This happened to me a, a time or a bunch, actually. Um, but an but a easy one that I can tell you guys um, that won't get me into much hot water here. Um, when I was uh, a kid, Nobody wants to hear a story when we go, like, go back to the kids. Like in my house right now, when, I, when I, I'm trying to give a lesson to, to my kids, I say, hey, when I was younger, like, oh no, here's another dad story. And, it, and he's, gonna, he's gonna try to convict us. Um, but that's how it works. But when I was a kid, I, I remember I was sneaking some snacks into my bedroom. Okay, anybody, any snack sneakers in here when you were growing up? I, I remember going to the kitchen and I was in front of the cabinet and, and, and I grabbed all these little Debbie oatmeal cream pies. I'm a sucker for the cream pies when I was growing up, okay? And I'm just like emptying the box. What is it, like eight, nine, 12 of those things maybe in there? I'm like jacking my pockets full of oatmeal cream pies. And like every time I walk, it's like And, and so like I, I close the cabinet and then I start walking through the living room and my dad's sitting in the living room and I, I don't want him to know that I just stole all these things. And so I'm trying to walk back to my room without being um, outed because I got all this like crunching in my pocket. So I really am, I'm just kind of like slowly walking and my dad's like, hey, what were you doing in there? Now he, he watched the whole thing go down, okay? He said, what were you doing in there? And I said, well, I guess I'm busted, aren't I? Literally caught me with my hand in the cookie jar. This is what's going on with the disciples right now. They weren't jacking oatmeal cream pies, but they got busted. They got busted um, in, a, in a moment where they were thinking about themselves and not thinking about anybody else. If, if you've got your Bible with you, um, this next verse is a game-changing verse. This is one that you are going to want to write down. It's one that you're going to want to circle. This is one um, that is probably, to me, one of the most powerful verses in all the scripture. Uh, that is really one of those verses that you can live your life on, that you can hang all of your life on. It, it's, it's good for us to hear it. It's good for us to memorize it. And, and, and if you let it, it could be a really good life verse. It's verse 35. Um, he pulls the disciples together. And, and this is what Jesus is doing now. He'll do something in the crowd, but he keeps pulling the disciples back by themselves because he wants to teach them something. There are these, he keeps finding these moments away from everybody else where we can sit down together, where he can sit down together with them. It's like friends having this amazing conversation together, but these conversations aren't just, hey, let's just shoot the breeze together. These are conversations that have the ability to change their life right then, but also all into eternity. Jesus is capturing these little moments where he's giving them little windows into what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. 
and how they can live out the kingdom of heaven here on this earth as his disciples. Because remember, he's preparing them for when he leaves. How, how are you going to know how to live when I'm gone? How are you going to be my disciples when you don't see me face to face? And he gives them this verse. He says, guys, let's sit down and let's talk for a minute. And he pulls them all together. And this is what he says in verse 35. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be a servant of everybody else. He doesn't say if you want to be the greatest, try to edge out people. He doesn't even say aim for being great right here. But if it's something that you aspire to, to be great, he says it's not going to look like what the world is doing around you right now. The way that you are going to be great is by coming alongside and serving somebody else. Can I, can I tell you what I took away from that this week? Here's what I took away. What if we don't push people out? What if we don't push people out of the way? What if we don't move people out of the way so that we can get to the front or so that we can get to the top? What if we just stop jockeying for position so that we could be to the front? What if we stop jockeying for our own position? Jesus was saying here, the kingdom of God, it's not like that conversation that you guys were having back there. It's not about being the greatest. The kingdom of God isn't going to work like anybody's ever seen before. Guys, uh, a little bit of backstory here. In the Jewish culture, um, especially within the Greco-Roman world at the time, rank and position and title, those were things that were an incredibly big deal. Position mattered in the Jewish culture, but it also mattered in the Greco-Roman culture as well. Um, your birth order, it mattered. It mattered. The family that you were born into, it mattered. Your name and your last name and your family name and your lineage and where you fit in that lineage, all of that stuff mattered. Um, it mattered because that's how you advanced in society. If you wanted to move up the social ladder, well, if your name was the right name, that's how you move forward. If you were in the right position, that's how you move forward. That was the only way. But what Jesus is saying here is that this is going to be against the cultural norm. That greatness in the kingdom of God, it's never going to be about your status, the status that you were born with, the status that you somehow achieved along the way. The greatness in the kingdom of God is not about your status. Greatness in the kingdom of God is going to come through service, not through your status. Not through getting to the front of the line. Not through making the six figures. Not getting on the right team. Greatness in the kingdom of God was going to come through one thing. He says through service. I want you to circle the word servant or highlight it if you have something out there. Um, there in, our, in our Bibles, there are two primary Greek words that the New Testament uses about serving. One of them is the word doulos, and the second is the word diakonos. But the two are, although they're similar, they are drastically different from, from one another. Doulos, if you're familiar with the word in, uh, as far as uh, um, uh, mothers having babies and going through labor, um, you might be familiar with the word doula. Uh, doula is somebody who is hired, who comes along to help a, a lady have her baby. Um, that's where uh, that word, it comes from the word uh, doulos. Um, it was largely used to talk about or, or to uh, talk about paid servants. Sometimes it was used as uh, pointing to uh, slaves. They're um, in a serving role. 
a role that they are usually paid to do or they, they are assigned to do, but it may not be their desire to do. It, it may not be the thing that they would do if they had the choice to do. It's been given to them to do. Now, the word diakonos is the word that we have here. It's completely different. It's actually the word that we get our word. What's it sound like? What's diakonos sound like? Yeah, I'll, I'll say it for you. Um, it sounds like deacon. It's, it's where we get our word deacon from. It's a willing servant. It's somebody who signs up and who wants to serve. Somebody, um, sometimes it's used as the word minister. It's a person who wants to minister to somebody else through the act of, of service. Jesus, in this little, this one line here, he's changing the entire game of what we live for and how we operate within the kingdom of, in, in the kingdom of God. He's making it very clear that in the kingdom of God, greatness, it's not going to be achieved by status. It's not going to be achieved by the credit that we get from other people. We can spend our entire lives trying to impress our peers. We can spend our entire lives trying to get the approval of one person or a crowd of people from a group of people or from a boss or from a dad or from a mom. We can spend our entire lives trying to get approval and so that we can have the right status. But at the end of the day, the greatness that's going to matter in his kingdom is how we serve other people. Isn't, isn't it amazing how different that that actually is within the culture that we, we live in? It's not how our world operates. The longer that I live, uh, I just turned 41 a couple weeks ago, the more and more I'm beginning to see how difficult it is to hold up the banner for somebody else when we've got a tight grip on our own banner. It's hard to champion somebody else when we can't stop championing ourselves. Does that make sense to you? It's hard to hold up our banner for Christ when we can't let go of our own banner. It's hard to have ambition for the kingdom of God when our only ambition is to promote ourselves. It's just, it's just really difficult. And the longer I live, I'm just seeing that in my own life and I'm seeing it around me. Now watch this. It, also in the Jewish culture and within the Greco-Roman culture too, children were considered insignificant. Um, not that they weren't significant at all, but children were considered less significant in the social order because of their age. They were pushed down in, 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 the, in, the, in the social calendar, so to speak. So, so children were often overlooked and they were actually, actually kind of pushed out of the way. Like the kids who were trying to get autographs um, at training camp, who, how they got pushed out of, out of the way, trying to get their autographs. So Jesus, in this moment, he takes a little child and he lifts the child up and he holds on to them. And, and I, I was reading through this again last night and uh, I, I, I'm not uh, too, too manly to say this, um, but I was weeping when I read this because this is one of the most human acts of love that you see Jesus participate in. You see the divinity of God and the humanity of God meeting in the face of a little child. So he stops and as he's having this conversation with his, with his disciples, he says, let me show you what this looks like. And he takes this child and he lifts him up into his arms. And, and, and I don't know what it physically feels like to be embraced by the Son of God right yet. There will be a day when we feel that embrace. 
but I, I don't yet know what it's like. But in this moment, he scoops up a child, he holds on to that child, he wraps his arms around that child, and he holds it and says, do you see this child right here? Unless you receive the kingdom of God like this child, things aren't going to go well. Listen, listen to what he says. Uh, anyone In verse 37, anyone who welcomes a little child like this one on my behalf welcomes me. And anybody who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. What Jesus was saying was service is going to involve caring for people, even those that you would consider maybe beneath you, even those that you consider maybe not in your social network or, or, or somebody uh, that you wouldn't say has arrived to the status that you're at. Um, it's not about being the greatest, but it's about serving in whatever context that the Lord puts us in. Jesus was saying, what you see me do right now, you do the same thing. You imitate me into this. I, I was reading somewhere this week, and, and I don't remember where it was, um, but I was reading somewhere, and I want to make sure that you know this is not my quote. It's something that I read. He um, said this, serving others is the primary way that we imitate Jesus. Ser serving others is the primary way that we imitate Jesus. And I would say that we're never more like Jesus than when we're serving other, other people. Because think about this, Jesus, the King of heaven, the one by whom and for whom all things were created and the one by whom and for whom all things exist, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who holds all things together in an effort to save humanity. He steps out of heaven, he takes on flesh, he subjects himself to the world that he himself created for himself. Mark's going to say in another chapter, in, in chapter 10, we're going to be there in a couple weeks, he's going to say that his primary role of stepping into the world that he created was to come and to serve. Here's what he says. So he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life up as a ransom for many. And just like he served, we are never more like him than when we're serving somebody else. We're doing the same thing that he came to do. You know, we can jockey for our position. We can try to maneuver ourselves to be great. We can, or we can realize that Jesus himself is the greatest. And he doesn't call us to a life of greatness. He calls us to a life of service. And thereby in that service, we are considered great inside the kingdom of God. You know one of the, the greatest plays in baseball? Um, it's not the home run ball. Um, it's not even uh, the grand slam, but those are the things we tend to get excited about, don't we? Um, we love to see somebody step up to the plate and just jack that thing out of the stadium. Um, we typically, we celebrate the home run champion. Um, nobody signs up to watch the bunt championship, do we? No, we, we sign up to watch the home run derby. The all-star game has a home run derby. It doesn't have a, a bunt derby. Um, but one of the greatest plays in baseball it's not the home run, it's the sacrificial bunt. It's when you've got somebody on base and you need a run, and you need it now. If you don't get that run, you either lose the game, you can't tie it, or there's no chance of going ahead in the last inning. And so when it's time for that last inning, it'd be great, we wanna see somebody um, go up to the plate and just jack it out of the stadium, but that's not what gets called for. It's the sacrificial bunt. That's when this comes in. Usually that means that when you lay down the bunt, you're probably going to get out. 
You're, it's not going to be glitzy. It's not going to be glamorous. But you're going to be able to advance the runners who are already on the base. Maybe even allowing them to score the winning run. But it's not you who's scoring the, win the winning run. It's not glitzy. It's not glamorous. Um, it's not fancy. You're probably not going to get your name in the paper. You're probably not going to get your name in lights on laying down a fantastic bunt. But it matters. And it matters because you're not just serving you. You're serving the whole team. And the whole team wins because of that service. What, what if we didn't push people aside to get to the position that we want? What if we didn't jockey in order to get to the front um, or, or to get uh, to, to the top? Jesus is saying here is that greatness in the kingdom of God, it's not going to come by our status. Greatness in the kingdom of God is going to come through service. And so I just, I just want to say, hey, find somebody to serve this week. We are never more like Jesus then we are serving somebody else. In a moment where you would say, I would really love somebody to come alongside of me and do this thing for me, why don't you take an opportunity to do that thing for somebody else? To come alongside and serve somebody else. And if you're looking for practical ways, we've got a ton of different ways that we can, that we can give you something to do. Um, but there are two really significant things that are getting ready to start. School's about to start. We have kids' life who's about to ramp up in an amazing way and student life who's getting ready, to, that's going to, getting ready to ramp up in an amazing way also. But we need volunteers. We need people to serve and to say, you know what? I'm willing to lay down the sacrificial bunt, not to get my names in the lights, not to get, not, not to get notoriety, but I'm willing to lay down the bunt so that this group of kids can come to know Jesus. So this group of kids can learn about the great fame of Jesus. So this great group of kids can, can figure out that, that there's a cultural difference in being great and learning how to serve. And that the true way to be great is to actually serve. And so if you're looking for a way to jump in and say, hey, I don't want to just serve myself. I want to serve somebody else. We could use you in, in kids' life ministry. We can use you in student life ministry. But I want to encourage you to look for a way to serve somebody this week. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you um, for time together uh, in your word. Thank you for the challenges um, that we find um, in your word. Um, nobody sitting in that discipleship group, when they, want, when they were talking about greatness, wanted to hear, serve somebody. They wanted to be on top. They wanted people to serve them. And even in our group right now, there's probably some of us that say, I don't want to serve somebody else. I want to be served. But yet you're calling us to imitate you, to serve like you serve, to love like you love, to not jockey for our position, but to move into this area of service so that not only is your name and your banner being held, but we get to walk into this place of being considered great because we serve you and we're serving others. So give us that ability to serve someone else and not just ourselves this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.